19. And if I live till next uh, year at this time, uh, you, there's going to be one-third uh, one sermon from Psalm 119. It's only 176 verses, so, you know, you could probably get at least three sermons out of it. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at lights and lamps, and uh, the thing that we're going to challenge you with this morning, as I have been prone to do for the past 23 years, um, I know what this sermon's going to be about. It's going to be about challenging you to be in the Word of God on a consistent, regular, daily basis. We give you one, here at the church, we give you two ways that we are suggesting. You may have another way, and that's fine. I don't care how you do it, per se, but this is simply something that I put together years ago. It's in your bulletin. It is to help you to read through the Bible in three years' time. So you read one-third of the Bible a year. I used to challenge people to do it once a year. A lot of people dropped out in a month or two because it was just more than they were willing to tackle. So I broke it down to three. This year, starting in a couple of days, January 1, this will take you through the New Testament in one year. If you're not doing anything, you don't have any way that you're consistently being in the Word of God, I challenge you, we put it together uh, like a bookmark so you can stick it in your Bible to make it convenient. You can check it off, make sure you did it. Um, I know it happens where you skip a day or one time you start reading ahead because it was very interesting and then you can check it off so you know where to start again. Challenge you in that direction. Many of you use Our Daily Bread, a great guide for uh, taking you through the Word, uh, getting you into the Word in a consistent basis. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. But get something. Uh, opening up your Bible in the morning and going, I, I, let's see where we're going to read today. That's probably not the best way. But I have to tell you, if that's what you're doing, it's better than not being in the Word at all. Okay, But I'd rather see something consistent because it will help you. Uh, and reading through the Bible, I, I would challenge you one other thing. If you have never read through the Bible in its entirety, I challenge you in this direction. Do it at least once. I, I never stopped to count exactly how many times I've read through the Bible, uh, but it's multiple times. And what it does is helps you to put the whole thing together. Uh, and then... Uh, my favorite way is not simply reading through the Bible. I do more in-depth things, and that's just my personality. But I have read through the Bible because it helps me to put the whole thing together. And I'm thinking about taking that challenge on again myself just to kind of reacquaint the big picture uh, with the smaller points. And I just want to challenge you. That's what the sermon's going to be about today. We are going to also celebrate the Lord's Supper <clears throat> And as we do this, just wanted one more thing. Uh, John Shirey uh, gave you an announcement about um, the New Year's Eve uh, get-together. And I do challenge you, if in any way you would like to sing or uh, do anything that glorifies God, exalts Jesus Christ uh, that evening, a uh, number of people have signed up. It looks like a really neat program. Um, all by the people from Garden Chapel. But if you're going to uh, be here, I challenge you, use what God has given you. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be really good. I mean, Caleb, 
If you want to play, that'll be fine with me, but you don't have to sound like Caleb. You know, it, it's just, uh, that's the kind of thing it is. Uh, but you do need to sign up today if you'd like to be a part of that. And at 6.15, we will be gathering just for some uh, desserts in the basement, and then at 7 o'clock, indeed, the program does start. So that's the advertisement part. That's the challenge. You'll hear it again at the end of the sermon, to be in the Word of God in this coming year on a consistent basis. And why are we going to do that? Because of what I'm going to go through this morning. Now, we're looking at the effects of the Scriptures in our lives, and that is to keep in mind. That's what we want to do. It is indeed, according to Psalm 119, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A lamp is like a candle, kind of shines light in all directions, not in every little tiny detail, but it shines light in all directions. That's what a candle does. It's like a lamp that just enough space that I can take the next step. But also the Word of God, when you put a bunch of them together, consistently being in the Word, it's like a lot of candles. And if you have enough candles, uh, you can light up a pretty good chunk of your life. On the other hand, it says that it is a light to my path. I think of that as a spotlight like you would use to spot deer or a flashlight that has a pointed, focused beam that you can look ahead. And see where you're going. A lighthouse is a good example of that. Ships far out at sea can be guided by that light. It's not just something for the next step, but it's for the distance to go the long direction. No matter what age you are, no matter where you are in life, we need both of those. I found something interesting as I was doing this. Uh, This is a flashlight that somebody um, tweaked that actually has enough power, enough candle uh, watch that it will actually light paper on fire just by shining the flashlight out. I don't believe it's recommended to go home and do that to your flashlight. But the Word of God is even more powerful than that because it will indeed shine light on life and give you not only the next step, but give you a focus, a way to look into the future and to see what direction to go. Just like when we drive our car, we don't look just over the hood. That's okay if you're parking in a parking lot or alongside the street. You only need to know a few feet. But we have headlights that point ahead, and we want to see at least 100 or more feet ahead so we know what's going on. The Word of God does both in our lives, and it has the effect of being able to let us take the next step with confidence and to look to the future with confidence. And that's what we want to do. Last time, and this is very quick, this is just introduction, we saw that God's law provides direction for our lives. And we're not going to look at the scriptures that go with this because that was another sermon. His testimonies continually show us his will. God's ways give us a course of action to follow. All of these are the way the scriptures are described in Psalm 119, each of the underlined ones. God's precepts furnish us principles for life because the Bible doesn't say about a mission trip to Africa or 
you know, what job I should have. But it gives us principles that we live by or who to marry or any of those other things. God's statutes assign boundaries to our lives. It's like, this is where we should go and this is where we shouldn't go. It's also <clears throat> his commandments lay realistic, profitable obligations on us. God's law is not a, to uh, cause us grief in life. It's to save us from grief. His judgments or ordinances, all depends what version you use, are pronouncements concerning life itself. That what, how God sees life, his verdict. And God's word proclaims truth for living. We need to make decisions based on truth. I always say that good information helps us to make good decisions. You can spend a lot of time trying to make a decision, but if it's not based on truth, you still are probably going to have a very bad or less than optimal choice that you make. Now, today, let's look at the lasers. By the way, those are supposed to be lasers. They are a picture of lasers, which are very concentrated beams of life. To be able to look ahead, and um, I understand it's just the way the, the light waves go, that it doesn't spread out like a candle or like normal light, but it's piercing through everything else and almost, it's not infinite, but infinitely goes in a straight line. But God's word, and this is where we are this morning, and we're in Psalm 119, verse 11 at the moment. Maybe the most famous verse from this chapter, but it says, Thy word have I treasured in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Uh, many versions say, Thy word have I hid in my heart. That's okay if you understand what hidden means. If you believe by hidden that you've put it in there and you treasure it and you consider it as valuable, it's something that's precious to you, then that's okay. You can use that word. But treasured is a word that uh, is a better description of this. I've saved it up. I've placed it there. It makes a difference in my life is what it's talking about. And notice what it does. Thy word have I treasured in my heart. God's word brings inward change. There are a lot of things on the outside that bring outward change. Lots of things come against you. If we get a snowstorm, guaranteed it makes some outward change in your life. Instead of doing what you plan to do, you're going to shovel snow. You know, that's what happens. Uh, an accident. It doesn't matter what it is. A lot of things from the outside bring change. God's word, and this is the power of God's word, brings inward change. And so you go through life being able to face life, making choices, having decisions in your life, going directions in your life, because you're convinced from the inside. The opposite is you kind of flounder around all over the place. Uh, apologizing for the wrong directions you've gone, for the wrong things you've said, the wrong things you've done, because you flounder all over the place and you get into places where you should never be. But God's word changes the inward compass of your life. The inward mental, emotional, and spiritual computer that determines all the actions and the words and the attitudes that you have that come out from your life. So God's word, why do I 
challenge you to get into it because I know it will change you from the inside out. A much, much better way to live. Continuing on, if you would look at verse 14. Verse 14 says this, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Okay? He rejoiced. There's a celebration. Challenge. If you're reading the Word of God and it's a chore, there's a problem. Because the Word of God says that it's going to bring celebration, rejoicing, exultation, delight into your life. Why does it do that? If you go back to point number one, you realize if I don't keep making the same stupid mistakes and the same foolish mistakes over and over again, there will be celebrating. Let's face it, going wrong directions and having false starts and all those kinds of things, they take a toll on your life. They really mess with your emotions. They mess with your mind. They mess with your prosperity in all ways because they are that. They're false directions, false starts. He says that if we rejoice in his testimonies, it is better than the riches. I mean, you can be rich and lose it all, but I've got to tell you, if the word of God is in you and it is causing you to rejoice from the inside, you will have all you need no matter how rich or poor you are, no matter what you have or don't have, because it changes who you are. The focus of your whole life becomes changed, and I can celebrate even in the midst of whatever else is going on. I can, and my wife will tell you that she is not a fan of this, but you will be the kind of person that gets up in the morning singing in the shower. Now, if I do that, I get told about it because I can understand that's not exactly pleasant to anyone else. But to me, it's like, yeah, hey, I look forward to this day. The third thing this morning, and we're going to keep moving because uh, we're going to have a limited amount of time. The Word of God brings fun into life. And you go, hold it a second. You have just jumped the tracks. Spiritual things are not fun. Well, the word fun is not used in Psalm 119, verse 16. But that is the point that it's getting across. Because I went and I went to thesaurus. And uh, by the way, I, you didn't know I could actually pronounce that word from the pulpit, but I did. Um, and I looked it up, and that's exactly what it comes out. Not fun in the sense of, ha-ha, well, isn't this a, something to laugh about? It's a big joke. Not that kind of fun. But here's what it says in verse 16. I shall delight in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. The word delight has to do with enjoyment and satisfaction and play and sport. Wow. You want freedom in your life? You want to be able to be happy? To have fun? It's only when you keep it in the bonds, bounds, and in the guidelines of the Word of God. Then you can have fun. I'm going to tell you what I've said many times, and that is this. The only people in the world that can really have fun and not regret it the next day are Christians. Why? Because we keep it in God's bounds in his fences so that we don't have to live with the regrets. I can, again, have freedom, and I'm going to emphasize that several times here this morning, that I can have that. In fact, as it goes on in verse 24 to say, thy testimonies are my delight, they are my counselors. 
See, if I have good counsel, I stay in, on the proper way, and then I can enjoy delight. Have fun in life without the regrets. Most of the world says, well, we want freedom, and we want to do whatever we want, we want to have fun, and they pay a huge price for it. As Christians, we can have fun without paying a huge negative price. The fourth thing this morning is the word brings new life to life. The word revive is found in verse 25 and many other places in this chapter. It says, my soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to thy word. Reviving is taking something that already works and even making it better. Right now I'm in the midst of, um, and it's a praise because Brad and Amy, ever since they got married, have been saving to buy a house, to, to move off of Encounter. They, they work for Encounter Revival Ministries just like these young people do, uh, except that Brad is full-time there. And for seven years they've endeavored to be able to move into their own house. They've saved money, they've worked like crazy to put it away, and they're able to do it. And now Amy has the opportunity to bring her studio for her massage therapy uh, business into the basement of the house, and I volunteered to do the work on it. House is perfectly usable, but we're reviving it so it can be used even in a greater way. That's what God's word can do for your life. You say, well, I got it pretty much under control. Everything's going the right direction. I'm not doing anything horrible. But the word of God can take it from just usable to really usable. And God wants that. That's revival. That's what these three young people uh, go to various churches encouraging people to do. To take a life that Christ already has and use it in a greater way. For his glory, but it also benefits everyone else around us, including ourselves. Without being in the word on a regular basis, we lose track of what God really ultimately wants to do in our lives. The word of God brings stability into our lives. Verse 5 says this, Oh, that my ways may be established to keep thy statutes. Establishment. Is that which is that rock-hard foundation. It's concrete. I'm not going to be blown hither and yon. I'm going to be steadfast, knowing that what I stand for is, <clears throat> excuse me, is not going to change. I don't want a house, and I don't want to try to revive a house that's not on a firm foundation. Because once you've got the firm foundation, then everything else is stable. Once you have spiritual stability in your life, you can face anything because you know you have God's truth. It also can give us a life that's worth living. Verses 1 and 2 says this, How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe His testimonies, who seek Him with all their heart. Do you get up and you look to a new day and you say, God has given me happiness. He's given me uh, the ability to go straight. He is one who is directing my life. That's what blessed means. I can face life knowing it's worth living. I can't imagine not knowing Christ. I can't imagine not applying his word to my life. It would be chaos. 
On the other hand, he says, the word gives blessing. The ability to go forward, to go straight, to advance, to have direction in life. That's the place of blessedness. It's worth living. The word of God also brings skill into our life, or skillfulness. In verse 98, it says, Thy commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. And it goes on to say this many other ways. I have more insight than my teachers. Just in the past couple of weeks, really young people from our church have been reprimanded simply because they took a biblical stand in school. One because they, one young lady, I think she's three or four, told her classmates that Santa Claus isn't real and the teacher reprimanded her and made, the, made sure the parents knew. Another one told uh, their teacher that the Bible says the world is 7,000 years old is what he said and the teacher, you know, really got on his case. But to his credit, he went home and looked up and said, yeah, that's exactly what the Bible does say. You know, so to his credit, he'd been teaching them that it's millions or billions of years old. I have to tell you, the Word of God makes you wiser than those that are teachers. It doesn't mean you know everything. It just gives you skill in living. And that's what wisdom is. Using knowledge rightly for good purposes. The Word of God equips you to be able to do that. The eighth, or, I'm sorry, uh, the Word of God brings us liberty. It brings us an expanded life. Psalm 119.45 says, I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. That word liberty has to do with power and rights and authority. It has to do with freedom. It expands my life that I can do what God has asked me to do, what is required of me by life, and I can do it unhampered. I can do it with authority. I can do it with power. I can do it in liberty. I don't go through life and I have to do this. I have to do that. I go be, and I go in power. Big, big difference in life. Did you notice this is the effects of the scripture on life? And it affects from the inside. That's why I started with that. It affects us from the inside and affects every part of our life as we go through life. It expands our life. We're not in that little tunnel, and I'm afraid to get out of it, and I'm afraid to venture over here, and I'm afraid to tackle this, and I'm afraid to stand up for truth. I don't have to live that way. I can have power. I can have authority. I can have freedom, and I can expand my life and live it to the fullest. That's what I want to do. I hope you're tired of little living, little expectation. Little challenge, little everything. Your life can be expanded, and it starts right here by getting right information so you can move forward with that authority. One last one this morning is I can go through life with honor. I can go through life not ashamed. In 46, it says, I will also speak of thy testimonies before kings and shall not be ashamed. I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry. What I'm doing, is it going to backfire? Is it going to be detrimental to my life? 
Am I going to simply offend others and not accomplish anything? I don't have to live that way when I'm living according to the principles of the Word of God. It is going to have that effect in my life that I can live with honor. I don't have to be anxious. That's what shame brings. I don't have to be disappointed on a regular basis, be dejected. Because the Word of God puts me in a right standing with God. And even if those around me don't understand it at the moment, it it ultimately puts me in a right standing with them. Because sooner or later, and even if it's way later, they will understand that if you're living according to God's principles, you were right all along, even though they didn't know it at the moment. I want to be the one that's a lamp and a light to the world. New Testament tells me that I need to be a lamp. I need to be a lamp to the world. But I cannot be a lamp to the world, a light to the world, unless I myself am shining. And I need that, and that only comes from the inside. Light bulbs don't have light on the outside and then shine it back out. No, it starts on the inside and goes out. And that's what God wants. He wants you to be in the Word so it can have its effect on your life And so you can change not only your own life, but everything around you. The Word of God is powerful. It's sharp. It gets right down to the bottom of the issues. And it changes my life. The Word of God also tells us that Jesus Christ, above and beyond, He is the Word made flesh. And He came. And he not only told us these principles, but he showed them to us as he lived among us. He lived them out. As the men gather, we're coming before the Lord's Supper. And we celebrate the life and, in this case, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ for our sins. We celebrate what he has done for us. How he has made it possible for our sins to be forgiven. And to live a life that's worth living. It's not only the Word of God, that's true, but it's the living Word of God. He died, gave His life for us, shed His blood to pay for our sin. If you've trusted Christ and you're living in fellowship with God, welcome. This is not Garden Chapel's uh, communion. This is Christ's communion. If you're in fellowship with Him, fellowship with those around you, welcome. Participate. It's God's object lesson to us, to remind us of the great price that he has paid and to remind us that we're to live a life that's worthy of that sacrifice. I'm going to ask Brother Jeff if we would thank the Lord for his body.
The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said unto them, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. Ask Brother Paul if he would thank Jesus Christ for giving his blood for us. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. When he had given thanks, he would offered it unto them, saying, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you. Whenever you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. Drink from it, all of you. Let's all stand together as we close with the word of prayer.